passes, hit well, into center field. That one's carrying out at center. It's out of here! Oh, Johnny with a pinch hit home run. At the plate is Mike Trout, the pitch on its way. It's blasted out to dead center field. Out of here. Ball gets away. He's going to break for the plate. Ball game is over. The Angels with a walk-off win here in the bottom of the ninth inning. This is the Angels Recap Podcast, a review of the past week in Angels baseball. Here's your host, Trent Rush. Hey, what's going on, Angels fans? Trent Rush here. Welcome to the Angels Recap Podcast, where once again, we got another loaded show for you. We're going to talk a lot of pitching here on the show, and obviously, uh, the pitching has been a bit of a struggle for the Angels so far, but not the couple of guests that we have here on the program today. Dylan Bundy, through four starts, was just off to an incredible tear with a 1.57 ERA to begin the season, which at the time was top five in the American League. Now, I understand that Dylan had a harder time that last time out, but a hot day against the Giants on that Tuesday afternoon. The ball was flying out of the ballpark. I think what we saw from Dylan Bundy, his first four starts of the season, a little bit more reflective of who he is. And we're going to hear from Dylan Bundy here on this show. Just an opportunity to get to know Dylan a little bit because we all see him on the mound. But he and I talked a lot about who Dylan Bundy is as a person. And uh, we talk about some really fun stuff. I think you're going to enjoy that conversation. Then a little bit later on, we'll check in with what's going on at the Angels alternate training site in Long Beach where I caught up with Angels first round pick from this year, Reed Detmers, uh, the star lefty at the University of Louisville who is on the Angels uh, 60-man expanded roster and I checked in with him about what's going on there in Long Beach. Look, I know that this start of the season not what the Angels had in mind. And Now before we get to Dylan Bundy, look, I get it that this is not the start that the Angels wanted to get off to uh, by any stretch of the imagination. They got to start playing better baseball. It starts with the pitching. Dylan Bundy has been the ace of the staff. He's got to continue to be that. And then on top of it, the Angels got to get a more consistent production out of the bullpen. We have seen some good things, but we've also seen some bad things. And that consistency is something that's got to come together for this club. And you think about this nine-game road trip that they're on right now with a couple of games against the Giants. Then they play Oakland for three as they stay in the Bay. Back that up with four games in Houston. This is kind of a make-or-break time in the Angels' schedule here for this 20 20 season, and it's definitely something uh, we're going to be looking forward to. Hopefully the Angels can, again, string together some wins, play some better baseball, and get themselves back into the mix, because uh, not a whole lot of time left to do that here in this shortened season. By the time we come on this podcast next week, we're going to be about halfway through this 2020 season, which is crazy to think about, and then we can actually start talking about some trade deadline stuff uh, next week as well. But in the meantime, our guest today, Dylan Bundy, and then Reed Detmers, a little bit later on and first here's my chat with Dylan Bundy. Well, he certainly pitched like the Angels' ace to this point. He has been off the charts so far here uh, starting his tenure with the Angels. He's Dylan Bundy joining us now. Dylan, how's it going, man? How are you? So far, so good. I I tell you, it's been fun watching you pitch like this. I'm kind of curious about, just from your perspective here, when you're with a new club and making these first introductions and, boy, your first four starts of the season to get out to a start like this, what's it like from your perspective? I mean, it's fun just to be a a new team, new scenery. Uh, You know, it's kind of like a fresh start, just being able to go out there and show your new teammates and coaches what you got. 
I thought there was something really interesting that you said in an interview last year. I went back and watched one that you did when you were with Baltimore, talking about you know the possibility of being traded and all that. And you said, yeah, you can look at it one way, like a team is wanting to get rid of you, and this is what you know. But the other side of it is that means that there's another team out there that really wants you. Is that kind of how this whole experience has gone for you to this point? Absolutely. You know, I mean, if they traded for me, that means they wanted me. So. Uh, it's nice to be wanted. I think everybody wants that in their life, especially as a baseball player. So you just try to work hard and, uh, you know, keep your head down and do what you're supposed to do. And, you know, for me, let's go out there every five days. Dylan, I think Angel fans want to get to know you a little bit too because, I mean, we see uh, what's happened out there on the on the mound and what you've been able to bring. But I don't know that we all know a whole lot about who Dylan Bundy is. What can you tell us about uh, just, just, you know, growing up and uh, from Oklahoma and, and just what was life like in the Bundy household uh, when you were a kid? <laughs> yeah, from Oklahoma, uh, me and my brother Bobby, uh, you know, we grew up playing wiffle ball in the backyard and, our dad coached us and pretty much taught us everything we know about baseball and uh, slowly decided to start playing on better teams, and that's kind of how we fell in love with baseball and got better at the game of baseball. You know, I've talked to David Fletcher about this, too, who's also got a brother that's pretty darn good at baseball, and I've talked with him about, like, the competitive nature in the house. How competitive was it with you and your brother? Oh, very. And then especially when we were in high school because he was a senior when I was a freshman, so we were always competing that year. We got to play together and, uh, you know, whether it was hitting uh, or pitching itself. So we were always competing, whether it was getting a home run or double or driving in another run or whatever. So for you, was it always baseball or were there other things uh, that you just loved to do growing up as a kid? Yeah, I mean, I did all the sports that everybody usually does, you know, basketball, football, baseball. And then uh, when I was a freshman in high school, I quit basketball and started to do powerlifting to try to get stronger because I was a skinnier kid back then and uh, decided to lift heavier weight and uh, ended up gaining quite a bit of weight. And uh, I felt better about it. Yeah, I, I was reading up on you a little bit that you just kind of you're, you're like the fitness guy and, and all this stuff. Uh, what what's like your daily ritual when it comes to, or, or like what's an off day like for you when you're preparing, you know, for to pitch a couple days from now? Like like what is a day like? Well, an off day is exactly what it sounds like. It's an off day. You don't do anything, well, that's <laughs> especially nice. during the during the pandemic season. You know, this year, you know, basically I just sit out by the pool, catch some sun, do some swimming. Uh, I've always liked swimming, especially for the body, uh, for the shoulders and everything like that, making it feel good. But, uh, you know, I just have to order in food because you can't really go out and do much now. <laughs> well, I'm glad that, uh, that that's the kind of swimming that you do because for me, swimming means just sitting in the jacuzzi with a beverage, and uh, that's, about, <laughs> that's about all the activity that's going on there. You know, right. Being from Oklahoma and just you know just hearing your accent and and how you go about you know I, I tell you watching you it, I keep thinking of cowboy tough keeps coming to mind just the way you pitch and maybe that's all you you know you kind of know growing up around that but uh, just kind of the the way you go about your business that kind of swagger were you ever uh, did, did you ever do any kind of rodeo or any of the kind of that stuff because you kind of <laughs> pitch like you do or you did. <laughs> No, I never got into that. I've always enjoyed, you know, horses and uh, cattle and stuff like that. But, uh, I, I mean, I took some uh, classes on, you know, how to ride horses and stuff when I was younger and never really took to it too much. My parents just wanted me to learn how to ride a horse. So 
I do know how to ride a horse, although I don't know how to rope or anything like that. So uh, I think it was the mustache that I added last year or this <laughs> offseason that everybody's got, got that thinking. I love it. Well, you know, because you know, I'm watching Yellowstone right now, and I know a lot of people oh, too. Yeah. I keep. I, hey, by the way, are you a Yellowstone fan? Absolutely. Okay, so when I say when I call you Dylan Dutton, the way you pitch out there, you're not going to be offended by that, are you? Go ahead. <laughs> it's like our, our resident rip right here. Uh, Dylan, getting yeah. it done. It's been uh, good stuff. So, um, talking about the pandemic, and that was just kind of this crazy time. I would imagine you'd probably never experienced the time in your life with that much downtime. I think that pretty much everybody has you know, that same kind of feeling. What was that time like for you knowing that, hey, you're starting with a new club, you just got ramped up in spring training, and now just sitting and waiting for who knows how long. What was that time like? Uh, eerie, kind of weird feeling, especially when I drove home from Arizona Spring. And I get home, and then I'm kind of like, all right, now what do I do? But I got in touch with a buddy and uh, Braden Webb, and we just play – we would play catch a few days a week and then throw a bullpen once a week and a game once a week to our catcher, uh, Logan McGuire. So a little 14-year-old kid that my brother does lessons for, and uh, we ended up making him a lot better, I believe, too. And he ended up was able to frame us at the end of the uh, quarantine and was learning how to catch us really good. So we were fortunate where we were able to throw outside and long toss and be able to throw four or five simulated innings in that downtime. But other than that, it was just working on the ranch with Dad and my brother and splitting wood for the winter and doing stuff around the house. When you say working on the ranch, what's that mean? What kind of, what, what, are your, call, what are your responsibilities? I call it a ranch, but it's technically not a ranch yet because I don't have a whole lot of cattle or anything like that on okay. there. Mainly just my deer that I look after. Right. And uh, we're trying to grow bigger and better deer every single year. So we plant fields with uh, clover, beans, uh, corn, and filling feeders and stuff like that, trying to fatten them up and, and grow their antlers. I'd say that's hard work. I, I, don't, I don't know what anybody wants to say about whatever we do here. That is, that is hard work doing that kind of stuff. So you know, I, I know it was uh, you know, off time for you, but uh, that, it sounds like you know, pitching is like a day just as a breeze compared to that kind of stuff, doing that every yeah, day. It, it, it's not easy, but uh, you know, my dad usually does it when I'm gone all summer for the past 10 years. And so it was kind of fun being able to help him and learn what he has to go through when I'm out playing baseball. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I take it still really close with your family and all that and, and having everybody uh, back together. You just don't hear a lot of stories like that. I think that's really unique that you guys have been able to have that close of a bond. Yeah, I mean, he really enjoys it, gives him something to do, and then uh, obviously being able to spend time with each other as a, as a family is important, and uh, you know, you only get so much time with them, so you got to spend it wisely. So when your dad's watching you pitch, what's uh, what, what goes through his mind? Is that uh, have you have you talked to him about that kind of stuff? Is it, is it difficult for him sometimes watching you pitch? I don't think so. Not anymore. Maybe he used to a few years ago, but uh, now he's pretty calm. I know he doesn't like to get texts or calls from anybody else while I'm pitching because they might jinx it or something <laughs> if I'm doing good. And you know, on the fifth, and I still got more innings to throw, so he don't like to talk to anybody else while I'm pitching during the game because he don't want to jinx it and he doesn't want anybody else to either. That's awesome. Hey, I want to talk just for a moment about your development as a pitcher because you are somebody that I know coming up, really hard thrower, 
touching triple digits. Different pitcher now, but you're not just a thrower anymore. You truly are a pitcher. And where has that development come from in learning how to, you know, make these kind of adjustments and learning more about the game? How how did that process begin? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, coming up, you know, like you said, I was I was throwing hard, but uh, now, uh. Ever since the Tommy John, the shoulder calcification, and all this other stuff, I noticed the velo starting to come down a little bit. But I felt like at a younger age, when I first got into pro ball, I always had that pitch ability with off-speed pitches. Uh, but everybody just wanted to talk about the fastball. But now they want to talk about the off-speed pitches. So, I mean, it started a long time ago. I mean, I think it started probably in high school when you're learning how to pitch and utilize you know, your curveball change-up, two-seam, turn pitches and, you know, trying to throw sequences at hitters that kind of fool them. And, uh, like, yeah, so it started way back then. So for you, coming out of that Tommy John, I know everyone talks just about how difficult that is and the challenge of working your way back, coming through all that. But, I mean, to comp- in some ways, you changed a lot about how you pitched, I guess in terms of the fastball velo, but I-, I guess maybe not if this is something you were always thinking about. So how difficult was that for you to, to almost kind of reinvent yourself coming back? Yeah, it takes some learning, you know, that's for sure. Because you get beat up out there enough, you, you know, you're going to change a few things and tweak some things. And, uh, you know, everybody knows up here they can hit the fastball. It doesn't matter if it's 106. They'll time it up two or three times if you give it to them. So just knowing that, knowing that I'm throwing my 90, 92 or whatever, uh, if I can land off-speed pitches and – throw multiple of those off-speed pitches and then come back with some heaters that makes that heater play way up. Well, very good. Well, Dylan, I got some Yellowstone theories one of these days. I got to run by you because I'm trying to guess what's coming up next. But in the meantime, I'm having a blast watching you pitch out here. I know Angel fans have loved it. I appreciate you spending a little time with us here today and looking forward to seeing what's next for you, man. Good luck and congratulations. Absolutely. Thank you. Love it right there from Dylan Bundy. And you know what? Quite frankly, I'm not putting a whole lot of stock into that last outing against the Giants. Look, hot day. Uh, the the ball was flying out of the big A. Anything in the outfield had a chance to leave the yard. And, uh, you know, Dylan Bundy was really good those first four games. And uh, when he gets that slider going, man, that is a difference maker for him. And I'm really excited to see him uh, bounce back and return to the kind of form that we saw in those first four starts. I'm not sweating that outing against the Giants at all. All right, when you talk about the future of the Angels and the starting pitching, you can't help but think about Reed Detmers, the Angels' first-round pick, a left-hander from the University of Louisville that the Angels picked up just this past June. Now, we've had Reed Detmers here on the program before, and we've talked to him a little bit, but while he is in Long Beach right now getting ready uh, to potentially pitch maybe at the Major League level this year, it's not out of the realm of possibility, according to Joe Madden. Uh, that's not to say that it's going to happen. It's not to say that it's even likely that it's going to happen. But it certainly is possible. Heck, anybody that's on that 60-man roster, it's possible to see them at the big leagues. And I just wanted to get a little checkup on what's going on with Reed Detmers and what he's working on in Long Beach. So here now is my chat with the Angels' 2020 first-round pick. Hey, Reed, good to talk to you again. I'm just kind of curious about your thoughts uh, as to what this experience in Long Beach has been like for you to this point. Um, I've had a great time. Um, obviously, it's a little bit different, uh, a little different, uh, different circumstances, but... At the end of the day, it's still baseball. Um, you're still meeting new players, still being able to play the game, um, practice, and 
uh, throw throwing live scrimmages like that. So um, I've had a blast. Um, and like I said, I've uh, liked meeting new people, meeting new players, un- um, understanding them a little bit more. So I've had, yeah, I've had a great time. What have some of the biggest differences been for you doing this now at the professional level compared to when you were in college? I'll just say it's a little bit more on my own. Um, at college, it was more ran by coaches. Um, obviously, here it's ran by uh, like our coaching staff too, but um, in college, it's a little bit more strict. And here, it's kind of on your own. So you kind of just kind of do what is going to help you in the future. So for me, just learning what stuff helps me the most and running running with that. Now, I remember back uh, during summer training camp in July, seeing the, the Angels at the big league level playing each other every single day and how that can kind of get monotonous. What are some things that you're doing now to, to try to combat that and, you know, facing your same teammates every day, but how are you still able to keep things fresh and continue to improve and develop with the goal of reaching the major leagues? Yeah. I mean, you just kind of have to keep the same mindset mindset you would have in a regular season, going after everybody, not really giving in to everybody and keeping, keeping a, your mental side on point um, just kind of staying locked in the whole time and not really giving, giving anything to them. Um, just kind of go at them um, and be about your own business. And in a bizarre year like this, without any minor league baseball this year, it's really a challenge for these guys. And that's something that I talked about with Joe Madden also, who, of course, has a great background when it comes to player development and has worked in basically every job that you can have in baseball. Joe Madden has worked it. And that's why I was really curious to hear from him and his perspective about what these guys can do down at the Angels alternate training site. I know that this is something you, you've kind of brought up before about no no AAA season this year, and you were just talking about the development process of Reed Detmers. What have you heard about how things are going in Long Beach right now and you know, in trying to create as close as what you could to what might be a, at least somewhat like a minor league season? Well, we have a great staff. Uh, we have really good players and a great staff. Um, I've heard nothing but good things. It's, but then again, understand it's not easy to do that, um, to be on that level as a player uh, knocking on a major league door and you have to report to the this, this situation and try to generate that, that thing that you have to have inside to help get you over the top. It's not easy. I'm, it's really hard to, to replicate. It's probably, it does feel more like a, a, a good practice situation. Believe me, they're grateful for being there, but I'm sure every one of them competitively would like to see a different uniform, a real game, et cetera, et cetera. And there's no denying that. So in the meantime, you just got to make the best of it. Um, it's always going to be up to the individual, right? I mean, how do you approach your day as, as a journalist? I mean, how do you approach your day as a left fielder? Uh, what do you want to derive from it? And um, where, do you, where do you look for your own motivation? So I think a lot of it, the individual is going to be exposed a little bit how a person self-motivates. Um, cause as a group, it can't be the same. It just can't. And for those who think it can, that's, that's, that's not true. And along some of those same kind of lines, considering your background in development and in talent evaluation, what would be some of the things that you would want to see from those players more than anything else in Long Beach to try to earn their, earn their keep here? Um, right now it's like an extended instructional league for me. Um, even, but even in instructionally, we used to be able, able to play games against other teams, meaning um, we know different things that need to be done with, with different guys uh, mechanically from their 
previous seasons in the minor leagues and maybe some of the things we've noticed coming into this camp. So you could address what you perceive to be deficiencies, uh, even in a practice situation. There's no greater uh, teacher of the game than nine innings of baseball. So never become deceived with that. It's not a weight room. It's not a video room. It's not a uh, data sheet. The best teacher of this game is nine innings of baseball, period. So uh, that the most important part of their development is kind of watered down for them right now. So as an instructor, you know, you know what right looks like. So from your perspective, you're trying to see what you think is right and the hitter or the pitcher says, I feel it. And all of a sudden you might have something, but that's probably the, the most um, important thing getting done right now is to try to iron out things that you know need ironing out and you have all this time to do it. But you still need nine innings of baseball. There you have it. Some really valuable stuff right there from Joe Madden. That's going to just about do it for us here on the Angels Recap Podcast. Thanks to Dylan Bundy, Reed Detmers, and Joe Madden all for joining us here on the podcast. Remember, you can listen to Angels Recap live after each and every Angels game on the home of Angels baseball, Angels Radio AM830. I come on after Terry Smith and Mark Langston for the Angels postgame show, and then we do have Angels Recap after that. And that's a, a really fun time to get interactive, answer some some of your tweets, answer your questions, and to just keep the baseball conversation going. All part of this Angels recap family. Look, we all wish the Angels record would be better than it is right now, but a big road trip here, a chance for them to try to work, to try to dig themselves a little bit closer to getting out of that hole. A lot of work to do, a lot of ground to make up, but certainly not impossible for this group, especially uh, with the amount of talent in this lineup. All right, have a great rest of your day. Again, you can follow me on Twitter at Trent Rush Sports. My name is Trent Rush. Thanks again for listening. See you.